The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Welcome to another program with Truths to Live By, a ministry of Harriman Baptist Tabernacle in Harriman, Tennessee. You're listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. I pray we would be a blessing to you today. With our Bibles open today to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, we continue looking at the operation of God in the area of the gospel, and we've studied the fundamentals of the gospel being declared and defended. We continue today with the force of the gospel. We've already noted God's power as seen in Christ's resurrection, verses 20 through 23. And today we pick up with God's power as seen in Christ's reign, verses 24 through 50. Now for a word of prayer, and then we'll begin with today's exposition by reading together verse number 24. Father, we pray now for your touch from heaven upon our life, that we could be a blessing to your people, Lord, to all people that might hear this message in the days, months, and years to come. I pray for your grace now to reach out to sinners, to reach out to saints, to reach out to your servants, strengthen, shape, and sustain their lives, I pray. Save the lost, convict them, convert them, O God. We pray now in Jesus' name, amen and amen. And so verse 24, Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. As believers and children of God, we should be expecting the reign of Christ in a coming day upon this earth. According to the book of the Revelation, chapter 20, verses 1 through 10, Christ will establish a literal kingdom upon this earth for 1,000 years. What a glorious time 
that will be. That being known by us, we should not only expect his reign, but I believe we should experience his reign in our own hearts in this current day. For Christ did he not say that the kingdom of God is within you. And so when we were born again, the kingdom of God came into us. And as born again ones, we will one day go into the kingdom. Yes, we will see it. Yes, we will enter into it. And as we anticipate his coming day and his crowning day, we should live now under his rule, under his reign. Yea, every area of our lives should be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That being said, I want you to think of this first of all. The end of this world is under his control. Now, as you notice, verse 25, For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. As we look at that verse, we are actually seeing verse 24 looks beyond the kingdom and to the end. But with verse 25, we look back into the kingdom, knowing that he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. And so the verses look beyond the kingdom to the end, but then they look back into the kingdom with their statements, and they give us wonderful truths concerning Christ's exalted power and position. And so we see his exaltation, verses 24 through the first phrase of verse 27. We've read verse 24. We won't read it again, but we think of his exalted power. The government will be his. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. Yea, the glory will be his. When he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. But then his exalted position. Verse 25 says there is a definite time. He must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. Then verse 26 and 27, there's a definite triumph in his position. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. Yes, there is triumph. That is his exaltation. But now notice the exception. Verse 27 continues. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. And so we see the Father's manifested position, and we see the Father's majestic position, for he is not under Christ. But Christ, the Son, himself is subject unto him, and all things are thus put under the Father, 
and God therefore can be all in all. What a day eternity will be. Then we see not only the end of this world, but the events of this world are under his control. Now, if we begin to compare verse 29 with verse 12, and then notice the they in verse 29 with the we in verse 30, we find that Paul is separating himself from a group of people and a false doctrine and teaching that was becoming more and more popular with the Corinthians and each passing day. And so the whole passage, I believe, can be understood more clearly. I'm speaking of verses 29 through 34. If we keep in our minds that it is in the context of deception concerning the resurrection of the dead. Paul is revealing the deceivers and warning the believers at Corinth. So let's read verse 29. Here we find this truth. Do not be deceived about the doctrines of Christianity. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? Evidently, some were not only denying the resurrection, but others were teaching some sort of baptism for the dead as well. Both were absurd, and both are yet absurd today, yet false teachers still lay claim to both of these dangerous doctrines, and therefore we must not be deceived about the doctrines of Christianity There is the resurrection of the body and of the dead and of the Lord Jesus, and there is the doctrine of baptism, but it is not for salvation, and there is no such thing as being baptized for the dead. Don't be deceived about the doctrines of Christianity, but now don't be deceived about the dangers of Christianity. Verses 30 through 32. And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantageth it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Why would Paul undergo peril? In verse 30, danger was constant. In verse 31, death was close. Why would he undergo this peril, these dangers, because of the cause of Christ if there was no resurrection of the dead? The answer is, he would not. If there's no resurrection, then let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die, and that's the end of it. That's the short of it. That's all of it, but not so. Why would Paul undergo persecution? Beasts at Ephesus, he mentions in verse 32. If there's no resurrection of the dead, what is the use? It makes no sense to go further for the cause of Christ, facing peril, facing danger and death, constant and close, facing persecution from Jews and Gentiles the same, if Christ did not rise from the dead and there is no resurrection of the body. Don't be deceived about the doctrines of Christianity. 
Don't be deceived about the dangers of Christianity, but don't be deceived about the difference of Christianity. Verse 33, there's a call for their separation. They were to remain in the way and refrain from the wicked. Look at verse 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Call for separation. Separation is not a popular doctrine, but it is a Bible doctrine. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord Almighty. That's found in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 through 17. But then there's a call for their cooperation. They were to cooperate according to biblical virtue and a biblical vision. Look at verse 34 as we close. Awake to righteousness and sin not. There is virtue. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. There is vision. Paul said, I want you to separate and I want you to cooperate. Some have not the knowledge of God. It speaks of your shame and we must get the gospel to the world. We thank you for making this ministry a part of your day. And in closing, we want to point you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And truly it is written. God's word, every word, presents us with truths to live by. You've been listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. Please send all correspondence to Truths to Live By, P.O. Box 575, Harriman, Tennessee, 37748. Or you can email us at bmarkcooley at gmail.com. And finally, brethren, pray for us.